Hello, and thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Crown of Command podcast. In today's episode, we're doing an interview with one of the members in our community from around the world. Hope you can enjoy our little interview and our discussions on the wonderful games that were from the Gamesmanship era in the 90s, or maybe something that was inspired by one of those games from the 90s. Who knows? You'll have to wait and see. But if you'd like an interview with me at some point in the future, please get in, get in touch with me through either through the Anchor podcast email address or through the Corona Command podcast at gmail.com or through my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, well, let's get on with the episode. Okay, here we go, guys. We're live. We're here with Kent Fury. Kent is um, now incapacitated after a, a, a horrific, um, was it a mountain bike accident? Maybe? It was a mountain bike accident, but I was going so fast, it got treated like a motorbike accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the photos, it, it looked bloody, it looked very traumatic, mate. So I'm glad you're still with us. Yeah, 28 stitches in the leg and uh, right on the shin bone, you got to see nothing but white. It was pretty uh, gruesome. I bet, yeah. Looking at the photos you sent me, I was like really quite shocked. So, yeah, mate. Oh, well, it made me feel sick, actually. Oh, good. So. Good. Did you see the bone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see the bone, thank God. I'm not looking at that picture ever. Oh, again, good, so. good. I like to share these photos. I was actually sitting at the ER ward, the emergency ward, and um, they'd given me so much morphine. And I'm just sort of sitting up, and the, the doctor, who's like a little intern sort of guy, and he's like, All right, I'm going to start scrubbing it now. Do you want to look at it? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I can't feel a thing. Go for it. And he's sitting there and he's scrubbing into it. He's, he's like literally getting tweezers and like pushing it into my leg and then pulling out twigs and pulling out stones and pebbles. And, oh, God, it was oh, so gross. God. But I was so high, it didn't matter. Yeah, I just ate my breakfast. Thanks, Candice. It's all right, man. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along then. So you're you're alive and you're uh, you're on drugs and that's that's the main. Yeah, thing. So man, you're I'm alive. Podcast, man, basically. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Oh, thanks, mate. Oh, oh, thanks, Reed. That's 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 lovely. Can't thank you. That's mate. all right, man. I like to feel, I like to I like to say the same, mate. For you, oh, thanks, you know? mate. Thanks, thanks. Just reaching out, you know, yeah, so yeah. making you feel all warm and cuddly. That's right. That's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rightio. Okay. So let's get let's jump into it. Um, can you give us a brief? very brief history on your Warhammer history. Warhammer history, right. I was a 40K diehard until 1996 when I was working for Games Workshop and they had a Warhammer staff tournament to try and drive a bit of, you know, Warhammer type um, sales in Games Workshop. And it was a 1,000 points. It was a 500-point slow gross. You had to paint up, no, 250-point slow gross. You had to paint 250 points per month. And at the end of it, we had a tournament. No magic items, no anything else. It was just raw armies. So going to the, uh, I think that was 5th edition then. 5th edition's the uh, Goblins and the High Elves. Is that right? Uh, no, that's 4th edition. So it was 4th edition. 4th edition was on the go, so that's what we were playing. And I think it was because we had 5th edition coming with the Bretonians. That was coming out very soon. So... Or was it just released? I don't know. Anyway, I everyone went off and chose, you know, big super-duper armies and all that sort of stuff. And I went, what's the most underrated army in the whole game? And I went, Empire. I went, right. If I can build an Empire list and beat all the staff with an Empire, and, you know, we're talking Dark Elves with, like, multiple shots. We're talking Chaos bloody, you know, Lords running across the field on Juggernauts. You know, this sort of crazy shenanigans. And I went, nah, I'm going to create this empire list. Anyway, so long, hard thoughts, because as you know, working in Games Workshop, you have some spare time to work on your own ideas and projects. <laughs> yeah, just, just a, a bit. bit. I, uh... You've got lots of, yeah, lots, of, um, lots of nice background sort of uh, miniature blister packs and box sets and army books to keep you occupied. Yes, yeah, so I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I developed, and this is before scenarios were really a big thing. So every game was pretty much a static battle, pitch battle. 
So I developed this tactic with my Empire Army and it proved so successful that I ended up in the grand final against the area manager of the time. And in, a, wow. in an epic battle between three giants in a thousand-point game, <laughs> they're the most amazingly converted awesome giants and, Jim, you should be very proud of those, um, I came out the victor. It was one of the first tournaments I ever actually fully won. And from that point on, I just went, you know what? Empire for life. I am now 100% Empire man. I pretty much gave up 40K that day and spent the next, it was it 96? Four makes 2000. So 24 years I've been playing Empire through every edition since fourth edition. And this wow, army that I have. Awesome, that's, that's... So the army you see there is actually the original army. I have. Okay, so the, yeah, the photos you just sent me there. I'm just you know scrolling through just before. I really like that um, that light wizard you did. The, the paint job on that looks really nice, and the cult, is it the uh, the hero on the Pegasus looks very nice too. Yeah, so he was actually yeah, yeah. he was a pretty interesting model because I at the when I left Games Workshop. So I left Games Workshop in, I don't know, I think 2000, just before 2000, mm. and I had enough. I literally quit Warhammer for almost 10 years. And all I had left was – so I pretty much missed 6th edition. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say I played every edition. I missed 6th edition pretty much. And I never picked up a miniature until my first son was born, and I painted that Pegasus Rider when my first son was born because I was bored. And before them, nice. before them, my wife never actually knew the full extent of my nerdism. <laughs> <laughs> that was deep in the closet then, eh? Right oh, she, all she knew was, why the fuck do you keep bringing out all these boxes all the time? Like, what the hell's <laughs> in all those things? And I showed her once or twice and she goes, oh, yeah, whatever. He'll get over it. Not knowing how much in the blood it was. <laughs> God, that was a, that was a deep dark secret you kept from. Yeah, yeah. She never really understood. She knew I was a nerd, but she didn't quite understand how much of a nerd I was. <laughs> yeah, the, the word for nerd over here in Japan is otaku. So my wife always teases me about being otaku and like all these otaku friends, you know, that um, you know watch my channel or listen to the podcast and that kind of thing. She always laughs about it. She thinks it's quite Yeah, funny. well, you know, Japan has so many different subcultures that being an otaku couldn't actually be the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one because it's like you're obsessed with something. I said, well, you're, then you're an otaku because you love uh, surfing and you love, um, you know, uh, water sports and extreme sports. Oh, and she's a surfer. So you must be an otaku That's awesome. Yeah, mate, she's a, yeah, she's a I'm surfer. I'm a surfer. Yeah, she's been surfing I'm a long surfer. Time. Yeah, I've yeah, done all that. That's awesome. So tell me. That's why, that's why she, want, yeah, she wanted to live in Australia. I said, oh, no, you know, just come back, come from Australia. You know, can't we just live in Japan? So we've been stuck here ever since. <laughs> otherwise, yeah, otherwise, mate, she would have just been on the plane straight away to be to, to live on the Gold Coast where I'm, where I'm at because it's, you know, like basically the surfing It is the surfing mecca. Australia. Well, you can go to the second one, which is yeah. Newcastle, where I am. Yeah, mate, you'll, you'll definitely go down there. Let's get some coffee at your place, mate, and um, yeah, go surfing or something. I'll, I'll, I'll just play Warhammer with you. And the girls. That's right. It's fine. Um, <laughs> tell me about you, mate. How did you get into Warhammer? What hooked you? Uh, I was HeroQuest first, so I got HeroQuest as like the first ever fantasy um, game, and then that was sort of my, my sort of my intro into Games Workshop through that board game sent away for the pamphlet as i think a lot of people did from my era and then um got the catalog little red catalog that came with it so it had all the third edition warhammer back in those days and all the you know like the first ed rogue trader 40k and epic and all that kind of stuff so yeah went out got a um a copy of the hardback of third edition but um of course, in those days, it was just a book. Like the box sets later came with all the miniatures and came with armies, so it came much more accessible that you can actually Now, was play, that part of know, the – was that Warhammer original book, was that also part of the role-play book or were they two separate books? Uh, two, totally two yeah, separate yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but they did have rules in like the role-play book that if you wanted to fight a mass battle, you could uh, – they're all compatible basically. Oh, yeah, cool. Um. So, but I didn't really play third edition. I just really liked the look of the pictures, and I love. I fell in love with the dwarves, and um, and just just basically just you know oogled over all, all the picks and of all the battles and stuff they had in there. 
And it wasn't until fourth edition set came out that I really got stuck into it and found guys. Now, this is all pre-internet guys. So like this is way, way before the internet ever came out. So it's basically looking at um, note boards in game shops in Brisbane, uh, looking for people who, who played this game and, and trying to hook up with them. And um, so I eventually did and found clubs and that kind of stuff. And I uh, really got into the painting aspect of, of the, uh, of the hobby and um, yeah, never look back, mate. Really. Yeah, and your painting is like next level. You do know this, don't you? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's very simple. It's oh, very, mate, very it's simple. simple. I'm not. I'm not. When you start painting, I'm not these. When you start I'm painting rosy noses and uh, like cherry lips and different colours in the eyeballs, that puts you at a different level, my friend. It really does. <laughs> well, mate, it's it's honestly it's not that hard. It's just yeah, you're you're a beast painter, <laughs> but. Oh, thanks, mate. You, you, you are too, mate. Your, your, the stuff you sent me is fantastic. Like the stuff you uploaded just recently, you did like a forty k um, Terminator. Like yeah, we did the Rogue Terminator. Trader Terminator for another blog that I do, which is forty k Heresy dot com, with three of my mates from Games Workshop. Yeah, and we came up with a uh, Terminator. We all had the Terminator captain. We decided to have a paint off. And I put a lot of time into it. And then you know when you put a lot of time into something, yeah. and you just I don't know. I, I, I'm so self-critical. I was like, you know what? It's just going to suck because the main guy, Mick Fair, he's a really good painter and he's a really clean, crisp painter. And no matter how hard I try, I'm not that crisp. I'm very – I've got a more of a grungy style of painting and like ah, – it just annoys me. <laughs> but you need, you need someone like that because I had the same thing. Like, you know, I met Marcus when I first got into like um, – the hobby and that kind of thing and he was like a really good painter and i was like he was like the sort of the benchmark that i wanted to get yep. to so it's, it's good to have someone around you like that one of your mates that sort of um and they don't teach you anything it's just like okay well that's sort of more esteeming to you to get to that level and you sort of try and try and try harder and harder, Look, and harder got, until you get to i got my painting to a level where i was i i'm i would classify myself in a top sort of tier of painting but then there's literally like now with the internet, you, you look at some of the other people. Like I say, I consider myself a good painter, but then there's artists, and they're artists. Yeah, artists exactly. are just a That's complete right. different subgenre from painters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you look at uh, someone like Dave Sopper, who's been around since I was, uh, ever since I was in the hobby, like back in the night, no- no- like yeah. early nineties, um, he's still painting now. He was like a graphic graphic designer for all of his life as a as a professional graphic designer and then he quit and then he went into full-time painting but like if you see his stuff like he his stuff was like this is but before Mike McVay yeah. was like really famous you know if you see his work it's just like way above any level that I've ever seen anybody paint at and um and he's still knocking those miniatures out and he's still got the same level even higher much higher now but the technique that guy has is just way beyond my ever in my, my expectations I could and i think that's part of it as well setting your expectations um, with your painting um as we get older we've got more commitments and you're not going to get as much time as you want on a single miniature and if you like me you want to crank out miniatures for armies and that's what i tend to do now but there's a really nice focus just to do one miniature for a change it was actually quite nice to get that yeah it is but with my empire army i've i Painted a lot for ranks and then I've gone back and redone them. And because I've had the army for so long, like I actually go back and repaint whole units sometimes or just go back and retouch it up and make it more fancy. I love it. I, just, <laughs> I can't stop tinkering with it. I'll go through it. I do it too, mate. Yeah, it's, it's good fun, you know. Um, and I always say to people like, you know, maybe you're not happy with the certain standard you've got now, but you can always go back and, and go over things that you're not happy with. So what was your like- main army? What was the army that just grabbed you that said, that's the army and I am this for life? Uh, you said dwarves. Well, initially, it was going to be dwarves. Oh. Yeah, it was dwarves, but I never, I never actually played. I, you know, to be honest, I never actually played them <laughs> back in the day. It's quite sad to admit that. Uh, but I had the miniatures. I just didn't have a full army, and it was just so hard to get the miniatures and so costly that I just – ended up just buying the miniatures that I wanted at the time, but it was never an actual army. So I always gained with the high elves and I had a full high elf yep. army um, because, you know, because you just got the miniatures in the set and you just had to get the character models and all that kind of thing. So I had, I played with high elves until 
all the way through fourth edition. And then I went to the UK and worked for Games Workshop. And then when I came back, I brought a whole Chaos Army back with me for 40K and Fantasy. And then I eventually swapped that and traded it for uh, a Night Goblin Army. And that got me on the obsession of Night Goblins and just fell in love with them big time. And then uh, I did have some dwarves, but I, I, I eventually sold them or swapped them or something like that, which is quite tragic. And then it was only uh, about two years ago that I went and then I started getting back into Warhammer and this whole sort of, you know, um, uh, this whole nostalgia thing started kicking in. And I thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to buy my dream dwarf army. And I did. I'd spent about, I don't know, uh, about $700, I think, all up, maybe a bit less than that. And just bought all the units and all the models I've ever wanted in one big go. And now I've got it all. So, and now I'm playing dwarves and I just absolutely love them. I've always loved the books. I've always loved the, the law behind them. Um, it's just that I never really got to, got to them onto the table. So, but uh, yeah, this is the best edition, like fourth edition, the fourth edition rule book is the best edition to play them in, I think. So was it always empire for you, mate? Like your empire was like your, your dream um, army that you've, you've collected and painted and played with all these years? Um, if you've played, I don't know, because you didn't really play 7th and 8th, did you? Uh, I had two games of 8th edition or three three games of 8th edition with a guy in the local store with my Orc and Goblin yep. army. And uh, it just wasn't for me, mate. It just, uh, yeah, I didn't play 6th, I didn't play 7th, so playing 8th just wasn't the same game. No, it's a very different style of game, but... Just to give you an idea, dwarfs got fast. Oh, yeah, so you could easily run infantry armies of dwarfs. And dwarfs became very maneuverable and are just a really rock-solid army. You could play defensive line, but you could also get out there and just get amongst them. One of my, um, one of my arch nemesis, uh, Daniel, he, was, he, he always played dwarfs. I always played empire. We'd play in tournaments we'd be both of us would be sort of pushing up towards the top we'd meet each other in the middle and for four consecutive tournaments he beat me <laughs> oh wow okay <laughs> and i was i was always always going his red hot favorite and i'd always come out losing to him and i'm just like for god's sakes things like my cannons all my cannons would blow up or you know, in a key moment, my whole army would run away or, you know what I mean, just just the Empire luck. Like it just, oh, God. It's like playing Empire sometimes can be the most soul-destroying because uh, <laughs> you're always up against it with Empire and that's one of the reasons why I've always liked playing him because for me, to be a human in the Warhammer world was an image of absolute fear and terror. You here you are standing on the yeah. battle line with a halberd with a light bit of tin on your chest, <laughs> and here comes an eight foot orc running at you. You just you know, you you're up against it. It's just <laughs> always yeah. up against it. And sure. I love that feeling for it. And I remember we were playing in a one of the very early Warhammer tournaments I ever played in, and it was a team tournament, and it was uh, a three player tournament. You had a first tier, second tier, third tier. And we were coming in first and all I had to do was win a game and all I had to do was not fail a break test at eight. I failed twice. (laughs) (laughs) So I lost our team. I lost our entire team's tournament based off one leadership role. Bugger. And I only only lost because it was a fear-causing unit or something, and I had to make a break test. And I was like, yeah. and I was like, it's no worries, it's an eight. I've got my I got I got a BSB here, I've got this, I got that, no worries. Failed the first one. No, no, she's right. Failed the second one. Oh no, she's right. I was going to say, and then I go, that's right. I was going to say, where's the BSB? And then I go, oh, okay, yeah. that's all right. They'll run and they'll just re- re- regain and they'll they'll come back and then I rolled a two to run. <laughs> Nice. You sound like my role. That sounds like my role. So lots of whole tournament for our entire team just based off that. You're like, come on. And, you know, Empire have done that to me. And then I've played the number one Warhammer player in 8th edition 
Um, he later became the number one player in Australia. At the time, he wasn't, but he was playing a beastman army, and I beat him in the first term. My cannons fired off. They rallied, they they destroyed a few units, um, which caused a simultaneous panic across his entire army. One unit would flee, then the next unit would flee, and they all fled off the board. And he had, he had nothing left. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you get your ups, you get your downs. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it's true. one of those things that's of Warhammer. But, yeah, I, know, I, I can see where you're coming from when you come from fourth only. Like, fourth was a great addition. Um, and, you know, leading into what we're going to talk about today, which is Warhammer Renaissance and mm-hmm. how they've brought in a lot of the different elements. So you probably played a little bit more of it than I have and know more of the history. So give us a bit of a spiel about Warhammer. Oh, Renaissance. Well, I just, I just had a game yesterday with a friend of mine. It was, it was done online. So he was playing remotely um, as, uh, you know, we, we were sort of keeping to the social distancing uh, rules uh, at the moment. And um, it's the only way we can actually get a game. I was like, just, I was just so... I'm just so fed up with like you know being separated, and not being able to go down to the club, and not being able to roll some dice with my mates. So we said, okay, well, well let's try it and see how it goes. So we had a look at the rules. Uh, he looked at the rules more extensively than I did because he had more time to sit at home and do it. So basically, uh, to give a brief overview, uh, the person who wrote these rules is a man from Denmark, and he has um, a his his name is Boulder, and he has his, his own Facebook group on Facebook. Uh, yeah, Facebook group on Facebook called Warhammer Renaissance. And um, I have been a member for, I don't know, a good six months or something now or more. And I was just like, just just looking at all the photos and that kind of thing. I didn't know much about the game. And I had, a, had an interview on the podcast with him. And since that interview, I was more interested and in, in keen to have a look at the rules. So I had a look at the rules. Uh, basically, it is uh, built on the fourth edition uh, set of rules mechanically, but then... He's added a few uh, rules changes or modifications to the mechanics uh, from later editions that worked better or worked, you know, uh, maybe he was more, he found that, you know, from playing fourth through to eighth, that he found some elements of those games where they just work better. So he, it basically, it's a, it's a rewrite of the rules, but essentially it's just Warhammer as you know it. Um, it's just, you need to go through the rules more in depth to just, uh, check for all the, any of the changes. So, um, so going past that, we had a game yesterday playing dwarves and night goblins. Um, now, the the army books are based on the fourth edition army books, and he's included some uh, little additions, maybe units that weren't in those books but were later uh, found in the sixth to eighth edition books. So, for example, dwarves have now dwarf rangers that can skirmish and that can scout. Uh, so that's awesome for me because I always wanted to play the Bugman Rangers, but then they, weren't never, they were not never in fourth edition. So I can actually finally play those guys now. Um, they've also got the minor rules. So the minor dwarf miners, they can make up that, that they can tunnel and sort of you know, pop up. On yeah, those things are vicious. Game. So that... Dwarf miners are always vicious. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I don't actually have the models, and I I didn't. I thought, well, I'm not going to really play miners that much. I don't think, but now I really want to get the I get a unit of those guys yeah. so I can actually play them because they look really. I hope you're um, steeped in gold. They're uh, going to cost you a fortune. <laughs> mate, I had a chance to buy a whole unit of twenty for about a hundred bucks Australian, and um, I said to the guy, "Look, I'll get back to you." And then he quit this particular forum that I was I was I think it was hey, right. forum. Yeah, I think he quit. And I never, I could get, never get those models. Yeah, well. So that's a shame. Anyhow, they'll come up. They'll come up again. Um, but um, yeah, but the game itself, it works just like any regular Warhammer game. The magic system is based on the fourth edition magic set. The arcane magic battle, one. Magic. Or battle magic or arcane magic. Battle magic. Uh, well, ba- battle magic, arcane magic, and yeah, it was battle magic, and then the uh, arcane chronicles. Yeah, of War. Chron- yeah. Yeah, so they they were the three uh, three magic uh, supplements that, that came with fourth edition. Uh, plus, he's included some added magic items that he's created himself, maybe with his friends there in his playgroup. Um, so, essentially, it's, it's basically fourth edition with some added 
components from other editions in, in that. Case. I went through some of those. Uh, uh, the main, you hear me? Yeah, I was going to say I went yeah. through some of those magic items. He hasn't made them up. They're just um, parts of other system, like parts of older, uh, newer ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think. So I've yeah. been through it as well. I actually went through it. I always go through these things because um, after the death of eighth edition, a whole group of guys got together and built ninth edition, um, which was built off all the things that was good about eighth, and then they went about. They had the right intention. They wanted to make the game a tournament-level game, therefore making everything fair and even and very calculating. Um, the downside to it was reading the rule book was like reading a engineering textbook. Oh, mate, tell me about it. I saw a guy down down at their club. He brought that he brought that manuscript yeah, it was, of you know some kind of, of biblical, biblical proportions down to the club. Yeah, and it, it had- really strangled for me. It strangled the life out of the game. Um, but it taught me a really valuable lesson, and that is that built within the Gains Workshop, uh, how should we say, business model. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether they did it intentionally, but I got a feeling they didn't do it intentionally to start with, but then they worked it out over time. And it took me a long time to realize this, that bringing out an army book that breaks the system is actually good for the system. So everyone whinges about overpowered armies, right? This army's too overpowered. This is too, this is too, this is too, this. But yeah, they are, but that gives you the ability to then get creative with your old army to try and overcome this new powerful thing. And it it really makes you think, okay, so like, for example, Dark Elves. When Dark Elves came out, I think it was in 7th edition, they were just so disgusting, it was ridiculous. And in the hands of a good player, they were unbeatable. Like, they were literally a top-tier army for a very long time. You had these Hydras that were underpointed, running across the field, flaming everything, killing and destroying and, oh, my God. And you had like a Death Star Lord that really couldn't be killed. He had two-plus ward saved and another two-plus save. And then, anyway, it was ridiculous. But taking my humble little Empire army, I was still able to beat those armies. You know what I mean? And that gave you a massive sense of pride and enjoyment, the fact that you actually were able to take on a top-tier army, you know, inverted commas, top-tier army, and then come up with a strategy, a cunning strategy to beat that army or exploit their bad deployment or the luck of the game just got the better of it and your cannon just snipered his general in the first shot. You know what I mean? Like that was the sense of adventure for it. And when you get a game like Ninth, it feels like it rang out all that adventure. I'm not trying to shit on the guys that play Ninth because they are a really bunch, good bunch of guys. Just... The game just wasn't for me because the fun of it wasn't there anymore. Yeah, no, that's a fair comment because I've never played ninth, and I, I, I'm certainly not uh, begrudging the, that that system because it's obviously created for a bunch of people who really enjoy it and get a lot of enjoyment. As a playing play system, it's, it's actually really good to play. It's just hard to learn, man. It's just hard yeah. to read. <laughs> It is, and that's one thing I'll say about the Renaissance rules. It's all in black and white print. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing on the eye, and it's quite difficult to get look at the stats and that kind of thing. So uh, that usually just turns me off straight away. If I see black and white, you know, word documents, I'm like, no, no, thanks. I'll just stick with my, you know, uh, color rule books. Thank you very much. Even though, ironically, the fourth edition. They are, but they they always had a good they always had a good tone to them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Games Workshop rule books yeah. always have a very good tone. Like they're always very light. They're very easy to read. The writers were really good at doing it. And unfortunately, it created terrible gray areas within the rules, which would be exploited by rules lawyers. But at the same time, but at the same time, played amongst gentlemen, which is what all the games were designed to be in the first place. They were never designed to be a tournament game. Yeah. Um, played amongst gentlemen, it was Sorry. always easy. It was always nice and it was always pleasant. <laughs> and that, that'll bring me to my most important point is that um, the, the, when, when he wrote the rules for this, he wanted to bring a lot more clarity and take all the uh, ambiguity. Yeah, out that's of the fair rules. enough. 
So basically, if you say you can do this or you can't do this, and it's it's sort of cutting all the grey areas and it's cutting at all the arguments and it's cutting at all the sort of doubt as to you know maybe this can do this or yeah. can do that or whatever, and it's cutting all the bullshit out and basically it's just giving you a much cleaner uh, gaming experience. And I think that's probably the main aim uh, of of yeah. So some of my mates actually had a game of it the other night. Uh, mate, mate Kendall, who was actually oh, yeah. the very first. You know, Kendall, oh, Kendall. he was yeah, one of the yeah. first Warhammer Masters, would you yep. believe it? With an, with an Empire army, would you oh, believe wow, it? Okay. I, w- I do believe it. I've seen the guy play. He's a oh, freak. Nice he, can actually, he can actually table you when he's got a grade 10 hangover and just vomited, then come out and still beat you and be grumpy about it. <laughs> and he, he, it's a, he's, he's, a, he's a monster when it yeah. comes to these, especially Warhammer. He gets it on such an intimate level that, Watching him play is quite masterful. Um, the poor unfortunate soul that played him got absolutely shredded. But they had a really fun game of about, I think, 1,500 points. Um, you know, he plays his empire. The other guy was playing a Slaneshi demon army. Um, they had nothing but rave reviews around it. So that's a good sign. And, like, a place like Newcastle Legions is where, where we hail from. Like, that's our club. Um, we're the masters of resurrecting dead systems. We've, we resurrected every cool. dead system known to man from Epic to Buddy Warhammer to Second Ed 40K. Um, you know, if it's a dead system, we'll find it and we'll play it. <laughs> can, can, you, can you resurrect old, um, what's his name? Um, is it, um, who's the old bloke there again? Who's, well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Kennedy? Yeah, get, get him resurrected and get his high elves back. Or uh, wood elves, that's right. He had a wood elf. Big I had a high elf army, I thought. He had a big high elf army, yeah. Did he? Okay, yeah, I'm sure Will would like Oh, we all like do. We all, we all, so, what, we, what we're all actually searching yeah. for is a some sort of common balance between all of it. Like we, as a scene in Newcastle, was one of the strongest Warhammer scenes leading into 8th edition. I was on a podcast called Podhammer, which was the first podcasting bloody Warhammer show in the world. And we had a massive following and we were, you know, the guys, I never got to go to tournaments at that stage because I was very busy, but the guys that were also involved in the show, Kendall being one of them, went to every single tournament around Australia and they were smashing face. They were really good at it. They were loving 7th edition. They were really going at it. Then we ran a 24-hour uh, podcast to raise money for us to go over to Adepticon on the release of 8th edition. We all played it. And half the crew, no, two-thirds of the crew just went, this game's shit. We don't want to play it. And pulled out and just went, that's it. And that was a death of, like, that was a death of Warhammer for those guys. They never wanted to play Warhammer ever again. Because they thought, how dare you do that? Little did they know, in three years' time, AOS was going to come and destroy it even further, which is just a freaking mind-boggling. I understand. Look, I get it from a business sense that Warhammer was like two percent of their business and like fifty percent of their stock line. I get you, right? I get you, but for God's sakes, don't leave a vacuum. Because you had, I remember seeing a guy burning his army and freaking on the YouTube. Like, it, it's, it was astounding to me that you would, there was such, like the ETCs are the biggest sort of events in the world, right? European Team Championships. Warhammer was as big as 40K, right? As big. Maybe 40K might have been bigger, but ETC Warhammer was as big. And they were willing to, Balls to them for doing it. Cut the whole bloody game off and go, you know what? We're destroying all of it. Screw you guys. You know, me who's been painting the same army for 26 years. Screw you. You can put them on round bases. You'll be excited about that. I can guarantee it. No, I'm not excited about that. It's a shit idea. And then the game mechanic was the same as 40K. Fuck that. Sorry, I didn't want to swear, but... (laughs) I was so, I was so goddamn dirty because yeah. I am literally Reichland to the core. Like I'm the Carl Franz fanboy of 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 eternity, and the fact that he ascends to be a god, awesome, but not so awesome. The fact that I lost my Reichland forever, and so to the point where I was literally posting things on AOS websites, Reichland forever. 
<laughs> yeah, people try to convert me over AOS and I just leave the comment Reichland forever. You know, you got to, you know, the passion that we all have for our armies. And like I know all those guys in the Podhammer days and myself and then a whole bunch of other guys still have their treasured armies in display cases waiting for something so they can pull it out and play it because we all love Warhammer. Like, we just fucking love the game, all right? It's just, ugh. Anyway, so that's just AOS. Like, it was disastrous. They're going to re bring out old, what is it, old old world? Is that the new one? Or uh, It's like, the, yeah, Return of the Old World. It's called the Old it's World, the old and world. I really like where they're heading with it because it going, they're going almost, uh, I think, a mm-hmm. thousand years back from the end of times into the, it was the, mm-hmm. uh, Battle of the Counts. So when the like civil war was happening within the empire, that's really cool, really cool thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm a bit scared. I'm a little bit scared. I just think that they're going to try and jam 40k style rules into it. And even though it's going to be a square based game, I just don't think it's going to have what we were after. Yeah, I think that's the general consensus from people on that on that Facebook group is that from in from people in, on the inside it's basically not going to be the same Warhammer. And what's the point of that? Previously. What is the point? A different iteration. What? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. But we yeah, we can't really say anything cuz we haven't seen anything. We don't know what it's going to be and um, look to be honest, Kent it's not. It's just we want a square base goddamn game that we can all play. Ninth edition tried to tie it all in. The, uh, to me, they failed because they added an old whole. You know, they've just split apart the whole thing again. They would have been better off saying, "No, we're just going to keep playing eighth. We're going to re- we're going to bring out a uh, Irada that's going to fix a few few things for tournaments, but we're going to keep it at eighth. That's it. Go for it." You know what I mean? Like that would have just kept the scene going, but instead they split it again. And then once you start splitting an already split group, it gets worse and worse and worse. So I'm all on board for um, the wonderful world of Renaissance. I think that's awesome. I still think we're missing – I think it needs to be more broader going up to 7th edition to bring more guys into it because you've got a big gap between 4th and 7th in terms of – uh, player pool because there'd be a lot of people that would never have played fourth. But then you'll have you'll have more people yeah, you'll have more yeah, people that played fifth yeah. to seventh, for example. So it's a more of a matter like even though the game didn't change much from fourth to fifth, then it changed quite a bit to sixth. And then sixth and seventh were pretty much the same. But then eighth was a complete rewrite almost. So I think you can still – I still get rules wrong from 5th edition and 7th edition, for example. <laughs> and then I still bring in rules from 7th yeah, edition yeah. into 8th edition. But there needs to unite the Warhammer Community Games Workshop. If you're ever listening, you need to let the community own it. <laughs> just give us the freaking rules. You can make money and just recreate the entire range in Forge World and do it as a pre-order type scenario and people will buy that shit. God damn it. Anyway, I'm all for Warhammer Renaissance. I've read it. I'm into it. I have some a lot of questions around the Empire because there seems to be massive chunks missing from the army and some explanations that I need to have. But I'm so goddamn excited that I can feel the war wagon again. I am an officiato of the Empire War Wagon and the six experimental weapons on the back and having to roll different dice for every single one of them. I think that's fantastic. And I also think it's fantastic that if you blow up a war wagon, I have a unit of six really weird dudes walking across the battlefield shooting things and catching things with my man catcher. Which is what everybody should have. A it man is, catcher is an essential item. You should have a man catcher. Like what? What? What wouldn't? Why wouldn't you have one? Like I mean, honestly. <laughs> exactly. Well, <probably> a <laughs> <man> catcher, <maybe. laughs> but yeah, I, know, I think I think he's 
you know, and, and going back to the point about the uh, fourth edition, um, the main thing that you'll probably need, and it's not essential, but it would be good to have. See, this, way, this is where you could have done it better. All right. Because Magic in eighth was, I think, one of the best. It wasn't card based and it was quite easy to deal with. And they spread yeah, it up. I think, I think it's going to be it's going to be very subjective, and it's going to it's going to be um, people on people's preferences. I mean, these cards are accessible as PDFs. You can just uh, up, they're up they're up on the Wahira Hammer Facebook group. You can just uh, print those off and um, you know stick them some sleep cards, and you've got your whole magic set in one go. The rule books are available as a PDF, but you don't really yeah. need the rule book because all the rules are in that PDF on the Wonder Renaissance site. So. It's really accessible, so don't be don't be put off yeah, by that. Cool. Um, and you know, um, so it's you know, d- yeah. So that's that's my own yeah, comment well, on, about that. In once to I, magic, once I get my go, uh, once I get my leg but, working again, I'm definitely going to be. I've actually got a, I've got a yeah. hook up with two of my mates, another empire and goblin player, and a wood elf player. We are going to all have a crack at this. And I'll be reporting back to you. We're all very old Warhammer players, so we should be able to pick this up very quickly. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited by that. Oh, that's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that there is excitement out there in the community because I think it is getting it is, it is picking up momentum now. More people are coming and joining the group. More people are finding out about it. And I think it just essentially needs more playtesting, and, and he wants more feedback from the community as well, and from. Different well, he's going to get a three-page um, kind of update for the Empire Army, <laughs> the manifesto of uh, the manifesto. Uh, of Count yeah. Fury from the uh, yeah. Reichland, and um, how the Empire should be rolling. Like, but there's, there's like, there's, there's for me as an Empire yeah. player, I've been playing for so long. There's actually glaring mistakes in the Empire list, so. It's um, and that's no fault of his own because he's got a massive tome to deal with, and you need many edi- you need many editors to make things work. Well, well, you, the one advantage you have is that he, the empire. Is well, there, he's got no excuse then. So, what's he doing? Um, if he listens to this podcast, what are you doing? Yeah, well, <laughs> can, can you please can you make one note in your manifesto to add to please include the yeah dwarf cross moment like and his stupid rule for his Reichland Reichland. Far out. So, for the list, good listeners that are listening, he's got something in there which is actually from the sixth edition, and I might have been in fifth. No, I think it was the sixth edition, which is which he had fourth edition and fifth edition had Reichland Foot Knights. Awesome, because I have a massive unit of them. I got like thirty-eight of the suckers. Right, all metal, all beautiful, all ready to rock, and I. In later editions, I ran them as great swords, and I just went cool. And then, if I was playing friendlies, I'd let I'd tell my mates, "I'm not taking great swords; I'm taking shields," and they were all cool with that. Um, but he's got the rule in there that Reichland can only have—you can only have one unit of Reichland foot knights or one unit of Reichland knights. Now, the knights actually cost three points more than all the other knights, Panthers and and Blazing Suns, yet they've got no stat difference or special rules. So they cost three more points for being Reichland. Awesome. I'll pay that three points because it is Reichland. <laughs> no other reason, but I'll pay that. Yeah. But then for God's sakes, give me back my bloody yeah, yeah. foot knights and my knights because I want to run my army of Reichland again. My army of Reichland needs to ride out. And then the Reichland foot knights aren't state troops either. So there's another big bloody hole in the bloody thing. Well, mate, look, like I said, everybody, if you've got concerns or questions, get them on. The I won't put in the group page. I never put those sort of things in group pages them, because so. it creates an absolute shitstorm of of opinion, I will put it to the man himself and then he can deal with it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, Matt. Like, his baby. Day, it's his, exactly. It's his rule set that he's, it's his baby. It's his, you know, and he, he basically stated that on the podcast with me. You know, it's his creation. It's his thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's his bad boy. And he's put, and, and, he's you know, done such a good him. job. Um, um, and I'm really, really yeah. happy with what he's got. So I'm, I will play it as is, I promise. Um, except for his silly thing with the Reichland. I'm just going to choose. I never read that, and I'm just going <laughs> to. Well, Kent, look, look, do it this way, mate. Look, you know, it's just 
you know, these rules aren't set in stone. They're just a homebrew set of rules. You can tweak them. And the other one is I couldn't find any rules for Bracer Pistols. So I just say he's assuming that we all know it. Uh, they are, they are in there. Uh, no, okay. so he wrote he wrote the rule for Bracer Pistols for okay. Pistol Ears, but there's actually no rule for Bracer Pistols, which uh, means that yeah. theoretically okay. the manifesto well, is building. Added to the manifesto. It is building. But yeah. I'm really um, – yeah, I mean, the, the, the right one quill is there. out. <laughs> um, but I'm going to share this about all the Legion group, yeah. and, you know, we might be able to resurrect some of this bad boy. I can see us definitely getting involved in it and um, having a bit of fun with it. Um, and next time we, we speak, I dare say we'd have had a few games of it. I hope so, mate. I, I saw I saw Kendall's photos in the uh, Warhammer Renaissance group, so I'm really happy to see him actively playing, like you said, with his with his friends. And, and that's all it needs. We just need people to play test it, um, you know, pick out things you like, you don't like, and any concerns you have. Oh, and for God's sakes, we need a bloody data um, file. The rules or whatever. If someone... Out there can build us a data file for yeah, uh, yeah. Battlescribe. That's the easiest cool. one to do for it. If someone yeah. can build us a battle file for that, it would make life. I just hate building army lists on paper and pen. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. It's such it's such a labor it's a laborious yeah. task. Okay. I, I Why really do it, it when you can yeah. do it on and uh, Mate, you got plenty of time. Man. I'm a busy man, man. I'm a busy man. I got shit I got to do, all right? <laughs> shit I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, hopefully someone who's very tech-minded, don't look at me, Kent, because I, I would just look at That's all right. Just I, I'm not the man to do it. Eyes, I'm so. not the man to do it. Yeah, someone someone out there is going to be a lot smarter than me, younger than me, and, and can do it much quicker than and better than me. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, hopefully that'll, that'll be in the pipe works. Maybe he's already well, developing something. I don't know. Um, after this conversation, I'll spend half an hour and I'll yeah. write down my manifesto. But I will play test it before I send him stuff because yeah. it's just rude to send things before we actually play anything. I'll play it yeah, as no, is, except for my that. two no, tweaks that. to the yeah. rules to make my Reichland a bit more uh, acceptable and palatable for my liking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, because like in yesterday's game, for instance, for, as an example, we had the gyrocopter, yeah, yeah. the dwarf gyrocopter, or gyrocopter, how you want to pronounce it. Um, it came up on the flank of. Oh, you got smashed in that battle, by the way. A um, forty-man night goblin unit. Oh, mate, I got absolutely. Just, well, you're playing uh, scenario. No, you're playing the scenario, just, which is uh... yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're playing scenario. Uh, this race for the tower. The tower's in the center of the table, and basically, the both armies are set up, you know, in their twelve-inch deployment zone, and they have to race into that tower. How are you gonna? How are you gonna flush out dwarfs? Turn. Um, you can't. You can't basically because with the scouting rule, they they just get in there and. and oh, maybe I definitely. Something I would definitely. You know, I would definitely say that scouts can't deploy say, in the house. Maybe. No. Can't enter because you imagine dwarf crosswomen would literally be the worst on. thing you could get in there to try and root out. The second one would be something like yeah. dark elf crosswomen yeah. or something like chaos warriors. Oh my god! You yeah. imagine trying to get cows worries out of the house. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, but anyhow, we had, we had a good fun playing the game. But in my point is that the gyro, the gyrocopter, yeah, that um, the steam cannon, yeah. Uh, so, in the fourth edition rulebook, it states that you know you you can move twelve inches and then fire the steam cannon. But in this in this edition, you can move ten inches and then fire the steam cannon. Yeah, but in the fourth edition one, you you place the template and then anything under the template, like at least half under the template, you roll a dice and on four plus they are hit. But in this version, uh, anything that's half under yeah, the template Yeah, that was actually a revised part of the hit. rules. Yeah? Yes, yes. Oh, was it? In later editions, was it? Well, man, that is so... Like, they're talking about, like, sensitivity, sensitivity of spells and how overpowered they are. Man, you, you have two of those things on your flanks and your armies... Is I thought you couldn't double up on units. second or third turn. Oh well, like if you had like if you had two of those on two two. Oh two yeah, planes, but that's it's going to be the same when a steam tank hits you. It's going to be the same when um, like your goblins, like your army was so fluffy and delicious. I took one look at it and went, "You're going to get absolutely pommeled." Mm. <laughs> you're you're no, but you're, I, don't, I don't mind it. I get, I get pummeled in my. He's so bitter to yourself. 
But that's why they brought in the big spiders, man. Like, that's like, I don't know whether they. They're awesome. Uh, They are. I was a hater at first until I started playing against them. And they give the orcs so much flavor, so much flavor. And they're actually fantastic models. And they're so fun to play against because you get this. Like, in those photos I sent you, you can post one up. Is my empire guys like from eye level looking up at this spider? And it is epic. It is totally epic. <laughs> Mate, I, the only the only way I'm ever going to play one of those things is I no, just get those ones. You'd be surprised. They're delightful. Have, no, no, no. Well, if you love Kev Adams, no, man, you need to have Kev spider Adams, spider Cav. Uh, fan through and through. Because yeah, so they they got poison. You need to have your doom divers because they are just yeah. You, you know, I know you do, I've but your arms sucked. You know that. <laughs> but I, it was it was it was basically the way I used to play back back in fifth edition. I just played no. You can do that. Look, what you did was fine, general, but you need um, to add more toys. Yeah. Yeah, I know. The pump I, wagons, forty point pump like wagons, and. Yeah, now that's something I don't. Oh, that's going to cost you eighty dollars. I've never had a pump wagon. So <laughs> that's going to cost you eighty bucks. It's going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get money. at least one of those. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see how we go, mate. You know, I'm not not in a massive rush. I've still got lots of stuff to paint up for that nice. money anyway. So I've got a bolt thrower and some uh, orc archers and all that kind of stuff yet. So, and I think some mate, my mate yep. from the old world. Uh, Lids podcast, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, he's got some. He's got a nice. Oh, goblin, nice. Uh, sorry, a uh, forest goblin unit for me, uh, which is very, very generous. Of I've got so the jester and the squig for you. I don't know what you're going to use it for. Um, you can use it as a champion. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I might. Yeah, I might just use them as just like little side carries I put on the side of the board to like to cheer cheer people on, or use the squig as like one of the cave squigs and use the jester. As like a um, yeah, it'd like be pretty little, cool. Uh, like a familiar, a familiar to an orc, cool. orc uh, wizard or something like yeah, that. That'd be pretty something nice. like that. Yeah. Oh, another thing too. Maybe you know about this, but in the in this Renaissance rules for the War Magic, it's handled a little bit differently. For like fourth edition, um, you know, your caster would have to make that War test in both phases. Okay, it's the same in this edition as well, but. You know, you would have to um, make a dice roll, add your level to it, yeah. And if that number was more than the than, than the um, than the amount of orc goblin units around you, at least uh, ten strong from orcs and twenty strong from the goblins, you would pass a test and everything would be okay. But in this edition, you roll a dice for all your shamans. If you roll a one. They can't cast magic. They can't use a dispel scroll. They can't use any magic items. They're basically screwed. Then you've got to roll a, a toughness test. And if you roll over your toughness, you suffer a wound. And in addition to that, if there are units of 12 or more strong or goblin units within 12 inches, oh, I don't know about that. Extra, I think uh, of all the armies, I think of all the uh, armies that like <laughs> were hindered by silliness, it's the orcs. Yeah, and it just got hindered. So to give you an example, so, like so during all the, the editions, rule, I, yeah, orcs always had like these the built-in flaws yeah. all the way through it, right? And then finally by 8th edition, yeah. they managed yeah. to get it to a, a fairly reasonable point where orcs could be more manageable and they became fierce. Like they literally became the feared army that yeah. they should be. Like big blocks of orcs was goddamn scary. Like you would literally shit yourself seeing a huge unit of savage orcs coming at you because – there was nothing really that was going to stop them, and I think, I think the the terror of orcs needs to be, I don't know they they overcomplicated the, the the silliness mechanic of them, and I think the animosity should be dealt better. Yeah. Because you think about it, yeah, chaos yeah, well, has no inbuilt mm. problems, right? Chaos warriors, chaos. More um, marauders, yeah. chaos all across the board really don't have anything inbuilt bad about them. Same with high elves, same with even empire. So they don't have anything that actually will jolt their army and actually stagger the way they actually come at you. All right now, orcs do 
yet they're not as powerful as, say, an elf and a chaos warrior. So why do orcs get penalised for being an orc? And if they do get penalised, they should be appropriately costed for being penalised. So they should be slightly cheaper. Therefore, there's going to be more of them. But that never quite happened because their costing mechanics stayed the same across their entire miniatures, across the entire armies. So the point costing of an orc is actually slightly more than a human because of their high toughness. But theoretically, the costing of an orc should actually either be on par with a human, which is at seven, five points for a human, should actually be on par with a human, if not a little bit less, because you have built-in deficiencies. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too deep. Well, no, you, you can black mitigate or, or that black or adding, bosses like, and things like that does mitigate it. Um, I was just thinking um, that. As as a slaughterer, you know he's got like an eighteen inch. Now the the, the leadership. Um, oh, that's good. That makes it uh, less um, defensive bubbleish. Um, they make, yeah, yep. And then you know if you take as a slaughterer, you know nothing suffers animosity within eighteen inches of him. Uh, and you've got banners to quell animosity. You've got uh, obviously the black orcs as well. Um, so if you run an all orc list, you just add an orc a black orc boss in it and then you've, you've, you've just mitigated all the animosity checks and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I take your point. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Just and having said that, like Mick Fair was able to take an orc army all the way through to the masters. And, so uh, it, 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 it very much comes down. And like he yeah. ran what we used to call the orc gun line. So there was basically, uh, yeah. oh, I think four crossbow, like heavy, heavy bolt throwers in his army. Um, you know, you got doom divers in his army, you've got catapults in his army, and basically, even though they're completely random and very hard to hit, when they start hitting things and picking things off, that makes a big difference when the when the big bad boys start coming to play. There's nothing scary, nothing scarier yeah. than a black orc unit on the charge. Yep. Yeah, but I, every time I play my bloody black orc, they always <laughs> die and run away. They always run away. They always fail their leader. Put the crown of command in them, mate. You'll be fine. Every single bloody time. Yeah, I can't Crown of command, it. fix it. It's answered everything. Yeah, that's it. Crown of command. That's always the answer. Yeah. Uh, and this, in this edition, it's actually modified. No, that's modified. good. It, 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 needed, so it needed to be. Like it in, needed to be nerfed, and I, I like some of the. I like. I really do like what yeah. he's done with some of the magic items. Like the rune fang is nowhere near as bad as it used to be, and it doesn't cost as much. Yeah. And it's you know for me that's it's as it should be. You know, it's not a hundred point item, whereas it's yeah. now what I think a seventy point item, or fifty point item. Can't remember. Anyway, I can't wait to have a couple of games, and we'll have another conversation about it. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and mate, uh, on on that note, I think we'll end our uh, wonderful interview today. It's been wonderful to talk to you, and I hope you guys can get you know obviously you get back on your feet and uh, get healthy again and start yeah. playing some games and get some feedback from us and back to Boulder over in Denmark, and um, hopefully get your crew down at <laughs> the, the Knights. That's the football team. We're legion. <laughs> They might think they're themselves as oh, knights, sorry. but uh, <laughs> no, they're, they're far from knights. We're all just... Uh, okay. No, no, no. Newcastle Legion is actually it's part of the Legion. That's a good idea. Put it in the manifesto. In the manifesto. You know, the pen and ink, please. No, no. I created the club. I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it. Legion to knights. I know, mate. It's okay. Now I've got I've got well, come you, down next time when we're If your missus needs a board and wetsuits and, and stuff, I can sort her out. We'll come down and sail her. Yeah, all all I've got to say is like, okay, we can surf should be over. She'll all over. Yeah, well, let's go. And then you know, cool. Yeah, she'll be fine. So, yep, yep. That, no that sounds good, mate. Well, thanks very much for talking with us today, and it's been really interesting to hear about about your history and about you know Warhammer Renaissance yes. and that kind of thing and your feelings. Uh, Where are your feelings? I must like I care. <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's the way of the fury okay guys okay, yeah new you are have a good one and i'll speak again soon yeah okay mate take care bye thank you once again for listening and downloading another episode of the crown of command podcast 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to contact us with some questions or feedback, please get in contact with us through the Crown of Command podcast at gmail.com or through the Anchor um, email address or on my YouTube channel uh, under the same name at the Crown of Command podcast or on Twitter, Instagram or on Facebook. So until next time, guys, take care and I'll see you in the next one. Okay, bye.